Roy Raymond Pinky Sievert was born on November 23, 1929. He was the youngest child of John C. and Louise Schaefer Sievert. Roy was baptized and confirmed in his faith at St. Paul Lutheran Church of Ida Grove, Iowa, where he was a lifetime member. Roy served in the National Guard from 1950 to 1958 at the Ida Grove Armory. I didn't know there was an Ida Grove Armory. Anyways, he was married for a brief period of time, but remained a bachelor most of his life. It was always said you could set a clock by Roy's daily routine of stops. He was true to his family and friends, checking in often and looked forward to seeing family at gatherings and family meals. He was proud of the strong work ethic he learned as a young man that carried him throughout his life. He had many jobs throughout his youth, starting as a child working for a local Ida Grove dairy. Roy was deployed with Iowa Public Service as a lineman and stayed with them the rest of his working career. His memories of climbing poles with spikes came up often in conversations, a feat Roy was very proud of. However, he was convinced it was that it was what had caused his aching knees later in life. Roy was an avid bowler and a golfer and could be seen daily on the Ida Grove golf course, where he had held a membership for many years. Roy loved sports and was a true fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes, New York Yankees, and the Green Bay Packers. He didn't travel very far from home, but a trip to Canada fishing with friends was a yearly event. Opening day of pheasant season, hunting with Bob was something he looked forward to each year. He enjoyed a serious game of ukra or cribbage. Crossword puzzles were a challenge, but he rarely gave up until he solved each one. Roy was always a car man and loved checking out his next purchase, test driving them until he found his next buy. He went for rides in the country to check out the crops and wildlife. He was preceded in death by his parents, siblings, and nephew. Roy is survived by his sister-in-law, Lucille Sievert, nephews, nieces, and their families. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The verse for the meditation today is taken from that reading from Hebrews 12 you heard a little bit ago. This past Monday... When we met at the funeral home, one detail about Roy's life came up. And it's one that came up again in the obituary. One that came up when I went to the clubhouse right at, almost right afterwards because we had our pastor's day at the golf course. I got a zero. That's right. That's because I didn't play. So that's the key to getting a low score. Don't play. <laughs> But, but one of the things that kept on being talked, the thing that was brought up is that his life was very routine, very routinized. You, could, you knew exactly where he was going to be at what time. You could set your clock to his life. You could look out the window. If you're on the route, he might be, he'll be passing by at a specific time. I was told that the... 
um, at the clubhouse was that if he was playing, if there was a day they're playing cards and it was eight o'clock, for example, and it didn't matter if they were done playing cards or not. He got up, he left because he had to be, he was going to go visit someone at that time. And part of Roy's schedule, part of his routine that myself, Pastor Salcedo, can attest to was that on the second Thursday of the month at Golden Horizons, he would be there to hear God's word to receive his supper. Throughout his life, his faith was always a part of that routine. That brief, the brief periods that he was in Morningside, he was still there. I messed with my head with a little bit. I'm like, I'm at, am I at the right place? But he was there. If he was not there, you figured something was up. But see, the thing is, is as detailed as his plans were, as his routines were, there is someone who has a much more in-depth schedule. And it's fine-tuned to every last little itty-bitty detail. And it is the very reason why, we, as we gather here today, there is always, there is hope. Because you go all the way back to that familiar event recorded in Genesis 3, after God had created the heavens and the earth, where there was no sin no sickness, no decay, no death. God gave a simple rule to the, to the first man and the first woman. Do not partake of the fruit in the midst of the garden. You can eat of any other fruit, but don't eat that one. But one day the woman was out by that tree, and the serpent was there, and he said exactly the words that would work on her. She was seduced. And she partook of it. Now, men, before you sit there and say, the world would be so much better if it were for women, it won't work because if you read in the text, it tells you that she gave it to the man who was with her. Which means he, he may not have talked, but he was there the entire time and he heard the entire conversation and he didn't grab the serpent and try to slingshot across the garden or try to grab the, grab the fruit and throw it like he's Aaron Rodgers. There you go, my Packers in, input. He didn't do those things. He was listening to the whole thing. And he was seduced by the same conversation. And he partook of the same fruit. And so the world fell into sin Death entered the world. Sickness entered the world. And it was a sickness and sin that passed through the generations to every child of Adam and Eve all the way to you, to me, to Roy. Now I could, you know, a lot of times you come to a funeral and sometimes the pastor will get up there and he'll tell you, just how absolutely wonderful the person is. And they'll go through the whole laundry list and they'll tell you, well, listen, whenever his parents told him to take out the garbage, he always did it, never ever argued, always washed the dishes, 
Uh, whenever he saw a lady to walk across the street, he always did it. Even if he was at a red light, he'd pull out and help the lady. I know I'm being I mean, exaggerating. But they kind of go off this list as I see this person's good enough to get into heaven. And meanwhile, you're going to sit there and hear the same list and think, be checking the same thing. Ah, am I as good enough? Am I as good as them? You're not good enough. Neither, is, neither was Roy. I'm not good enough for salvation. Because we inherited the same sin from Adam and Eve. I can say that not because there's some moment that Roy, that Roy did that really stood out. I say that because scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says that if anybody says he is without sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. But you see, just as Roy had his routines and his plans and his schedule, God had his own. See, in the garden, he said to the, that the offspring of the woman would crush the serpent's head. And then through the history of time, through years and ages, literally centuries, millennia, eventually came down to the time of the reign of Caesar Augustus, during the kingship of Herod the Great, in a little town of Bethlehem, that the woman Eve, betrothed to Joseph, gave birth to that offspring, Jesus. And Jesus would grow up to be a man. He'd grow up and he would teach, he would preach, he'd do incredible miracles. He would be rejected, betrayed, sentenced to death by crucifixion, and on the cross, as he died an agonizing death, he crushed that serpent's head, just as God promised. Now, if you realize how much detail has to happen over the course of thousands of years to make sure that one event happened. And then, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. And for 40 days, he went around showing himself risen, alive. And before he, and before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples one command. You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And they carried out that command. They passed, it on to, they passed on the good news of Jesus to others, and to others, and to others, and to others. One day it came to some of you, to you. And one day it came to Roy. Because it was that day that Roy was carried to the font. And, pa and the pastor said over him, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. And in that moment, in that time, in that place at St. Paul Lutheran Church, not at this building, the gospel came to Roy. On that specific moment, on that specific day, in that specific time, he was declared a child of God. He received the forgiveness of his sin. Though he was born a sinner, he received the new identity as a beloved child of God, an heir of paradise. And so throughout his life, 
is this passage. John 12, it says, or Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, I kind of realized that would be a great passage for Roy. Because back in, I think, February or March, it was right before he was moved over to Omaha. It was right at the beginning of COVID. And I came into the hospital, and he, the first issues with the pacemaker. And we had a nice conversation. And he was watching Yankees, classic Yankees baseball, which is why I knew I had to use one that had a, a sports reference in the, in the Bible verse. See, if you ever wonder, is it okay for pastors to use sports in sermons? The book of Hebrews says yes. You can. But I do that, and also because I remember on that day, he did not know what was going to happen when he went to Omaha. But one thing he knew is where he was going. He knew he was ready for whatever God had. If it meant he was going to be here for a few more days, because as routinized he as he was, he did not know when God's time was. The one thing he did know is where he would be when that time came. He knew that this past, Friday, this past Saturday morning, when that day, would come, that day would come, he would take his last breath on this earth and take it anew in the presence of Christ. Being amongst those robed in white, then thousand snow cloud mountains bright. If you know the hymn, behold a host arrayed in white. He's in that host. For all the saints who from their labors rest, he's in that group. He knew it because he ran the race. He set his eyes on Christ the entire time. And that's not because of anything in him but because at that moment of baptism, Christ came down and the power of the Holy Spirit chose him and claimed him as his own. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the will of God, by his grand design, that Roy had his eyes on the cross, his eyes on Christ. And see, the journey is not over. Because this afternoon, we will lay the casket into the ground. And you'll hear those words from 1 Corinthians. And Paul will talk about the body as being sown into the ground. Now, any of you who've ever worked on a farm, you sow a seed, what do you hope is going to happen? Something is going to come up out of the ground. Right? You know, just throw it just for fun. So also, when the body is sown into the ground, God still has a plan. And the plan, I don't know the day, I don't know when it's going to happen, but there's going to be a day that Jesus is going to walk through that cemetery, that resting place, and he will say, Roy, it's time to wake up. And that body 
will rise to glory, to strength, as it has never been even in this life, even in the healthiest of his days. That is what God foreordained from the, from the garden for Roy and for all those who believe in him, all those who walk the course and set their eyes on the founder and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, the destination is the same, the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come, where there's no sickness, no death, no scorching heat, no drought, no blistering winters, only eternity in Christ. Till that day comes, to him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.